Hi, I'm Rebecca Pete, And I'm Rebecca Cochran. And, and welcome, welcome to Woven, where we strive to be Christians living in the world with intention. And our prayer is that, to paraphrase Mary Zimmer, the Christ who knew Mary and Martha would show us the way of balance. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Hey guys, happy new year. Welcome back to our podcast. We are, um, we started our season two back with Advent. So now we're continuing along with that. It's been really cool to think over 2018 and just all that we've done and the stuff we've covered. Um, and as we thought through that, we've really wanted to continue tackling topics that are difficult. Um, there's a lot of room for growth, we think, with um, kind of Christian culture and normalizing things people go through that we kind of tend to sweep under the rug where they turn into shame and it's all a big mess. So all that to say, we're starting a series today called Hard Stuff. And our aim with this series is to draw attention to grief, really. I mean, if you get down to like the nuts and bolts of it, um, and we want to kind of throw a disclaimer out there. Some of, so the things we're talking about with people are really difficult. Today, our guest is Becky McCoy. Becky lost her husband um, when she was eight months pregnant. Is that right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, just and already had a kid and, it, you know, she's a young widow and she lost her parents. Like, she lost her parents. Yeah. It's a really it's a hard story. But um, something I really enjoyed about talking to Becky was she is very um, generous about grief. I feel like I think a lot of people tend to say like, well, I'm sad about this, but I haven't been through what you've been through. So I can't yeah. complain. Or like, I can't feel this way because other people have been through worse. But the truth is like, grief is just different for everybody and it's universal. And on the other side of things, I think sometimes when you go through really hard stuff, you think, oh, nobody's experiencing things as bad as I'm experiencing things. And yes. she doesn't do that either. She's like, she's really, like you said, generous with her grief, but also she isn't um, selfish with her grief. Does that make right. sense? Yeah. Because there is a, a tendency to be like, well, it's self-pity. Like, exactly. Oh. Exactly. So our, our aim for this series was to just draw attention to some things that are difficult that um, Rebecca and I have not experienced. And so we wanted to be educated about them um, in a way from people who've dealt with them. So Becky's on today talking about being a young widow. Um, we also talk about mental health and things that are just, you know, kind of like the little arm and arm partners of grief that people don't really talk about as much. Um, we're having, we're talking through infertility. We're th talking through singleness. Um, we're talking through childhood trauma. Am I missing one? Oh, um, Marissa, um, we'll be talking about um, go, get, going through cancer and coming out the other side. Yeah. So um, these are all topics we're going to cover in the next few weeks. And I encourage you, I know like it's, you know, everybody's like, it's a fresh start. It's a new year. Like, yay. And it might seem like kind of a downer, but um, I think that, I just, I hope you'll listen anyway, because there is a lot of good stuff. There's some humor here. It's very real conversation. And I'm really, I'm very proud of this series. None of it was, um, all of it had a very positive tone, even in the, not that, not that it was, um, not that it was glossed over anything. I think we talked hard conversations, but nothing what, but it, it, it is done in a way that I think is, is <laughs> hopeful. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's a really hopeful series. And I've, I've just been so educated by these women. And um, though I haven't experienced these things personally, I feel like I have a deeper understanding so that I can be there for other people, which really is what God does with our pain is brings us together. So we're so excited. Um, today, we're talking to Becky. She is wonderful. I really enjoy talking to her. And I hope you guys enjoy it too.
Well, welcome, Becky. Um, This is the first of our series of hard things. So we wanted to kind of ruin your year by talking about hard stuff. Just kidding. But it is (laughs) January and we do want to dive into just some topics that, you know, everyone needs to hear about these things and kind of process them. And so we've invited guests on who can help us do that. So today we are interviewing Becky. And would you like to introduce yourself and just give a little bit of background on your story and as much time as you want? I know it's a long one. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's always like, well, which version of the story do you want? Um, <laughs> we can go basic right now and then we'll go more yeah. into it as yeah. we start talking. So Jump just have your basic background. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my name is Becky. Uh, we're giggling before we started recording that it's like the Rebecca show today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I just listened to a recent podcast of yours where you interviewed someone named Becky. Yeah. Be- I had Becky Kaiser on. So yeah. We so had it that. was like super meta about Rebecca stuff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I live on the Connecticut coast with my two kids and they are, uh, almost four and six and they're hilarious. Um, (laughs) and I'm a writer, speaker, community builder. I write about just encouraging women to figure out what it looks like to live bravely and confidently when life is really hard. So when you guys said that this was going to be your series, like, (laughs) oh, this is like where I play right here. Um, So I got into writing uh, because I started out as a high school physics teacher. So finding myself in this spot of writing is like really strange. And I never dreamed of writing a book. And like, <laughs> this oh, is, wow. okay. I'm kind of just as surprised as anyone that I ended up being a writer. Um, but six years ago, my dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer and I just started writing to process things. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of had a silly little, like we're an air force family blog and like, just started posting some of my thoughts on there and it really started resonating with people. Um, and so I just kind of kept writing. It was really just for me, but I kept writing and my dad passed away and, and then I kept writing and, um, my son was born eight hours before my dad passed away and we were on opposite coasts. So there were just a lot of emotions all over the place all at the same time. Um, but it was definitely a hobby. Like I was a new mom and, um, we got, we were stationed in Las Vegas and we got, uh, when it was like our next time to move, we got stationed, uh, just outside of Washington, DC. So we were closer to family being on the East coast. Um, and a couple of years later, uh, my husband was diagnosed with a terminal cancer. Um, and he had been sick the year we were engaged. Um, so at first we thought it was the same thing. It was a totally different cancer. Um, and at the most, he'd have a year. Well, mm. the the really hard part was that a few months earlier, I had gotten pregnant again. And what we thought would be me delivering when he was deployed turned out to us not knowing what was going to happen at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, would he be alive when the, when the baby was born? Would he be having a stem transplant? Would we, like, we just yeah. had no idea. Um, yeah. So actually, it just passed uh, four years on January 5th uh, that he passed away. Um, and my daughter wasn't born for another month. Wow. Um, so that was a really dark month yeah. and a terrible month. Um, and then she was born and and I was um, really nervous about being able to attach to her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Understandably. Yeah. Um, 
but, and it was hard. It was much harder than it was with my son, but she is this little ray of sunshine, which is ironic because she didn't smile until she was like three months old. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> she was very serious baby, but she is like one, legitimately one of the funniest people I've ever met. And she's just so happy and joyful. And, um, I wondered a lot in that month, uh, between when Keith died and when she was born, um, why God would allow me to be pregnant mm-hmm. and have a baby, um, without a husband. And it's just been so fun to almost hear God laugh at that (laughs) (laughs) because my son is the world's most extroverted person and I am super introverted. And so if we did not have our little mediator (laughs) 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 in the middle of us, I don't know what would have happened. Like they are, they've been the best of friends since they met and yeah, God definitely knew what he was doing. So that's the short version. (laughs) Yeah. So, so then how did you get from that space of obviously really, really hard stuff um, and not knowing what was going to happen next? How did that move you into the ministry that you're currently doing? Going from the writing as a hobby to what now it is your job. Right. Yeah. Um, For a couple of years, even before Keith got sick, I had this feeling that God was just saying like, you're going to write a book one day. It's not yet though. Like not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. And then, um, I think it was, it was about a year, a little over a year after Keith died that all of a sudden he was like, okay, now go. (laughs) And so, um, it had been like all these little steps along the way of like, um, I kept writing even like in the beginning of widowhood and not often, but just kind of as words came and Mm -hmm. people just kept saying, you know, I've never lost my husband, but this is who I lost or what I lost. And I felt Mm -hmm. the exact same way. And thank you for finally putting it to words for me. Um, and so I just found myself connecting more often with people over those same grief feelings and anger and, mm. and all the positive and negative and <laughs> whatever emotions that I was dealing with personally, mm-hmm. um, other people were really relating with them. And so it just kept kind of growing. Like I started writing more often um, and God kind of clarified my vision for what this could be. Um, And then I added a a podcast to that. And then I added running a virtual retreat. And it's been like one thing after another, just kind of like adding and it grows. So it wasn't like I sat down one day and I was like, now I am going to be a writer and I am going to do this. But it just very organically has like grown into um, this thing. And I think because because I've done the work, like Mm -hmm. I've been like counseling has always been and will always be on my calendar. (laughs) But over the last four years, it has been a Mm -hmm. non-negotiable. And it, you know, like now I'm getting to a point where my counselor and I were saying like, hey, maybe we only need to meet a couple of times a year just to check in because, you know, like. I struggle with anxiety and depression. That will always be something that I need to check in with a counselor about and just make, you know, see how things are going. And, um, 
But the last four years, that was a huge priority. And to have to figure out like, what is this grief? What does grieving look like for me? What do I need to even grieve? Because it's not just about like grieving the loss of my husband. It's every first day of school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, he's not here. Every birthday. Oh, it's another year that my kids don't have their dad. And like, yeah navigating all those little triggers and all those little secondary losses mm-hmm. and um and figuring out what that looks like is really hard work yeah. and it's yeah. not this you know people talk about this stages of grief it and that's so many people fall into the pitfall of thinking that that means that grief is linear yeah and time constrained like how many people say i should be over this by now yeah like no, <laughs> like that's, oh, that makes you feel like such a failure. But grief is, is just such a fluid process. For sure. And I think, I think your point that you brought up about how um, grief is in different forms, but feels the same a lot. So, you know, a lot of people listening to our podcast may not be widows, but right. probably hardly any of them because it's very unusual to be a young widow. And so like, there's probably hardly any, but they, everybody has different, you know, my husband and I have both lost fathers, you know, mm-hmm. and, and there's, you know, we, we all have different types yeah. of grief, um, whether you've lost a child or whatever it is. And, but I, it, it, the part about it not being linear, I think is super important because I think people do. I have friends who are struggling with grief in other areas and they just, they, their part they get stuck on is the fact that it's not over yet. Yeah. 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 Well, I think that's the thing about grief or, or any, like you were saying, the secondary losses, I think for me, as I've grieved things over time, those have become increasingly painful, like the secondary losses of, um, and, just some, there's a personal relationship I have. that's just never going to be what it ought to be. And so every, it's like that stuff as I've healed from the, and I don't know if this is true for you, I guess grief's different for everyone, but as I've healed from just the general expectation, it's like, it's still there and you're still having to like deal with it. And I'm not sure it's ever over. Yeah. No, it's not. And, and I don't think sometimes people take that as like, uh, well, now my life is ruined yeah. because I'm always going to be grieving and life is always going to be terrible. And that's not it at all. Like my life is not terrible, right? Yeah. Like I, my life is actually pretty wonderful and that's weird to say. And I think that's weird for a lot of people to hear from me mm-hmm. because I'm a widow with young kids. Like yeah. my situation is not ideal. And and a lot of the grief of my life is is that this is not how God designed families to be. And having to to grieve knowing that God is also grieving my situation. Yeah. And um but that's why like listening to other people's stories is so helpful and healing for me because and that's why I started my podcast because I wanted us to be able to share these stories about like someone lost their house and someone has a chronic illness and someone had to declare bankruptcy and somebody else had like a complete and total literal mental breakdown, but we all experienced the same emotions. And Mm -hmm. so let's connect on that. And like, what did you do well? And what did I do not well? (laughs) And how can I learn from you? Um, and it's been so interesting going through the the journey of widowhood with my mom because she was widowed two years before I was. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And And our journeys just look so different and neither one is right or wrong. 
um, because we're different people. And, you know, she was married for just about 30 years when she was widowed. Um, but at the same time, her children were grown. And, you know, there are just so many different things and our personalities are different. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so our grief has looked really different, but that's okay. Like learning, that's one of the biggest challenges of grieving is to let the people around you grieve differently. Mm. Um, and it just feels out of control. Right. So we're always trying to find ways like, well, what is this supposed to look like? So I'm like doing it right. And then I don't have to, you know, feel out of control basically. Totally. And some people when they're grieving want to be surrounded by all their people. And some people when they're grieving want to be completely alone. (laughs) And some people when they're grieving want somebody to say, step in and like take control for them. And other people want people to be passive. And I think that's where we run into all these problems of when people just say the most awkward things. Well, that's (laughs) because we we want to be helpful, right? Yeah. Like, so what, what, and of course we just said that it's different for everybody, but (laughs) what, what did you find helpful and have you found helpful as this has gone? Yeah, totally. Um, one thing that's really helpful, if you want to know how someone is doing to say, how are you doing today? Mm. Because if you leave off that today part, like, yeah. well, <laughs> on what level do you want me to answer that question? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's really do good. You want, do you want to know how I am in this second? Do you want to know how I am in this season of life? Do you want to know how I am, like, in a very esoteric way? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Each answer is completely different. Um, That's your physics science brain coming in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but the more that I've talked to people, they've all agreed that if it's, how are you doing today? I, I just have to answer how I am right now in the moment. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and that is very freeing because there's no analysis that needs to happen. Yeah. Um, I can just say like, right now I'm okay. Or right now I'm really struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe tomorrow will be better or maybe tomorrow will be worse. But right now, here's how I'm doing because grief is so up and down and all over the place. Yeah. Um, so I've really appreciated people answering that question. I've really appreciated people offering exactly how they're able to help. So yeah. not saying, Hey, let me know if you need anything because when I am stressed, I do not know what I need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, And that is really frustrating for other people. And that's really frustrating for me. But if you say, like, I have literally had friends say, hey, let me know if you want me to come over and clean your toilets. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. I would love for you to come over and clean my toilet. Like, hey, I made extra dinner. Can I bring some over for you? Or do you want me to put it in my freezer? Like making it very, um, like giving me choices of things Mm. as opposed to leaving things open-ended has been really helpful. Yeah, that's, that's been a huge lesson for me because I am the, I'm notorious, I have been in the past notoriously the worst because I'm just not very creative. <laughs> and so right. I'm notoriously the worst about just saying, let me know how you can help. I want to help. Like I'm a, right. like I desire to help. I have, I have that in me, but like, yes. I just not very creative. And so I'm just always like, well, well, let me know how I can help. And so when me and my husband both lost our fathers in the same year, 
um, and I watch the grieving. Well, we, we have a, a grieving process as children, but also to watch both of our mothers go through that. Like I started to realize that that is very unhelpful and I, I'm still bad about it, but I've, I'm trying to be better at that. Of like, Yeah. Oh, I still say it. And every time I say it, I'm like, oh, why did I just say that? I know better. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but I have learned like my own grief has taught me what my capacity is. So yeah. like we have mm-hmm. a friend who had a baby and so, okay. So they have two kids, a boy and a girl, same age as my two kids. And they um, started doing the foster to adopt program in our local area and really working hard to figure out like, are we actually going to adopt this kid or mm-hmm are his parents going to be able to like get it together because we'd rather that he grow up with his parents. Like, of course he doesn't want families to be reunited. And, um, and so they took this little boy in, um, and then they found out that the parents were having another child, but the state wasn't sure that the parents could even take care of the newborn. And well, then they found out that she was pregnant. So now essentially they have twin little girls. (laughs) that are three months old, I think, um, infants, um, and this two-year-old little boy, and they are two kids that are four and six. So they went from two kids to five kids in less than two years. That's crazy. Yeah. Which is nuts. Well, you know, old me would have felt really guilty that I couldn't help watch the kids. I couldn't cook them a meal. I couldn't Like there are so many things that I could see that I couldn't do because of my own situation. Yeah. Um, but I've realized I'm really good at buying Starbucks gift cards on the app and emailing them to people, (laughs) like refilling it every once in a while. Um, and so like I have a friend who had a a preemie this week and just sent her a Starbucks gift card because I can't do much, but I can make sure that people are caffeinated. Like I'm really good at making sure that that can happen. (laughs) And that's just where I'm at right now. And so because I am realistic about, um, my situation and my capacity, I can be really specific with other people in offering yeah. how yeah. I can help them. Yeah. And I think that's such a good word, especially for me, because I tend to be the type where I'm either going to do it 150% or not at all. And so I have, I'm like, I'm going to make you this wonderful dinner. And, then and she's a chef, so it actually would be a wonderful dinner. But <laughs> but then it's like, I won't have time. And so I'll just be like, oh, well, I'll just, I'll just wait till I have time. But really, it's like, do this like seemingly small things. Cause it's all about the remembering of the person and the like solidarity you feel when someone thinks of you. That's what like really is at the core of supporting somebody. It's not about whether it's a Starbucks gift card or a meal or whatever. It's about like, I'm thinking of you and I yeah. love you. And this is what I had. And I mean, that's just a good word for me to remember to just, just still do it. Even if it's not how you want it to look mm-hmm. or perfect, like just still do something. Yeah, I'm, I've, that's been really helpful to me because, um, like, for instance, we have a mutual friend who had a stroke last year and a young mom with a, had a stroke. And like, I just wasn't at the point in my life where I could like make a bunch of meals or Mm -hmm. even go over there and clean her house. But I have someone who comes and cleans my house once a month and I sent him over there. Like I can, like, it's, it's like thinking outside the box and not feeling guilty that you're not the one physically doing the work. Like I'm not the one who cleaned her toilet, but I sent my guy over there to clean her toilet. And like, that was still super helpful. So it's, it's hard to release that guilt when you're the person who's being the support. Yeah. And it, it can, it can be so awkward for everyone. 
if it, <laughs> if we're not really straightforward. Yes. Yeah. Like like if you're the person who wants to help and you're kind of dancing around now, and this is like goes back to the grief thing. Like so many people have said, well, I'm so sorry. I said your dad's name. That must make you really sad. Mike, do you think that I forgot that my dad died and you just reminded me? Like, like, no, I'm very aware of the situation. Like, you are not going to trigger my grief by reminding me of my reality. I'm just because you just remembered my reality doesn't mean that I've forgotten. Yeah, Um, oh, that's a good word. and, and, And when we kind of like dance around it like that, like... It ends up like breaking relationships and being mm-hmm. awkward and hurtful and and instead just saying like, hey, you know, I was thinking of your dad today. Like, yeah. I really miss him. I bet you really miss him too. And mm-hmm. and just acknowledging reality. Like we don't have to make it any different than it is to make each other feel better. Yeah. Gosh, that's so good. Yeah. So good. Um I kind of want to talk a little bit about before this happened with your dad and your husband. So had you struggled with anxiety and depression prior to that? Had that been kind of like a lifelong thing for you? Yes. Okay. Um, I, I wasn't diagnosed until I was 25, but okay. once I was diagnosed, I realized I had had my first panic attack when I was five. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Okay. Um, granted, both of my mom's parents passed away young. Mm-hmm. So one when I was three and one when I was nine. So I've like always had pretty significant grief in yeah. my life. So, yeah. I mean, there's no way of knowing how any of that plays together, but yeah. So I guess, okay. So this is what I'm, I'm not going to dance around it. I'm just going to ask you. So what I'm asking yeah. is I'm, I'm pretty sensitive to like, I, I struggle with anxiety and depression and that kind of stuff. So for me, I have a lot of fear around grief. Like I hear about grief. I'm like, that's going to just like take me under. I am just going to like lose my, you know what, if something did you, I mean, was that ever something you like thought about or worried about or, and then I want to hear like how, how is like your uh, trajectory of grief? Like, how has it been affected by the anxiety? I guess you can't really separate those things, but like, have you, it seems like you're handling it. Like I see, I'm inspired because I'm like, you seem like you're doing a good job. (laughs) I mean, and I'm like, I don't know that I would be doing a good job, (laughs) I guess. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. um, So one thing I've thought a lot about um, my, how my anxiety, my depression, my grief, and I've had PTSD because of all the loss and the trauma of the loss, but then, and trauma of other things, but specifically one thing that was really difficult was the, the PTSD related to being pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, because I had this fear that every time I got pregnant, someone would die. And so when I got pregnant with my second, Keith was kind of like, well, I'm not going anywhere. And then when he got Mm -hmm. sick, he was like, Oh shoot, I'm sorry. It's not really your fault. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I I don't think I would say that I have a fear of grief so much because I don't know what it feels like to not struggle with anxiety and depression. Yeah. Like that's just always been my reality. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think God just created me to be like super Mm self-aware. So I am... I'm really aware when I am more easily triggered or when I am less easily triggered. And when I'm more easily triggered, I know 
I now know I did not always because I used to be terrible at this, but I, I now know how to set up boundaries mm-hmm. to, um, to help myself and, and to know that like this moment of being more easily triggered will pass and, yeah. and then I'll feel a little more normal. Um, and just kind of being willing to be flexible and responsive yeah. to what my body is telling me. Um, and also Zoloft. <laughs> me <laughs> to too, be quite sister. honest. I just said, fist bumped you across, uh, yeah. the, across <laughs> yeah, the, the computer. Yeah, fist bumping I, for a really long time, avoided going on medication um, because there are, uh, like, I do not ever want to default to pharmaceutical help because there are so many other ways, whether through diet or counseling or just, you know, being healthier physically those things affect our mental health so much that I really wanted to exhaust everything else. Um, and then I exhausted everything else. (laughs) None of it was really making a significant difference. Um, and I went on Zoloft and all of a sudden it was this feeling of like, Oh, this is me. Like this is the most me I've felt in a really long time. Um, and so that, and I went off of it a couple of times, but every time I went back on it it was like, Oh no, my body just really needs this little helper. (laughs) So we started calling it vitamin Z because it's just like (laughs) the thing that has to. (laughs) So I just like file that away in the back of my head. Vitamin Z. Yeah. (laughs) It's just going to be part of my morning routine forever. (laughs) So we talk a ton on this podcast about mental health, which has been very eye opening to me because I don't really struggle. I mean, I have, don't, don't get me wrong. I have my issues, but like, like a, like generalized, you know, anxiety, depression, PTSD, PTSD, like I just, those aren't things I've struggled with in my past and she has. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, we've done a lot of work on this podcast with count. We have had counselors on multiple mm-hmm. times and we've really dug into the subject because we feel like it's an aspect of the church that is lacking. And so we talked oh, about yes. a lot. So my question for you is as someone who doesn't really understand and as someone who my daughter has been diagnosed with some generalized anxiety, um, my almost nine year old, like, so I'm, I'm learning, um, I, how do you see the anxiety play out in your grief and the depression? Because we like, we put anxiety and depression together, but they're two different things. Yeah, there's two different things, but it, I've, I have found that it's very rare that someone has one and not the other. Okay. Like, like it's kind of how like hyperthyroidism and diabetes and other autoimmune things like always just kind of show up together. Yeah. Um, well, they're like a cycle, right? Wouldn't you say for me, it's like a cycle. Like yeah. you get really anxious and um, up here and then you, and then as the result, you go back down and then you get anxious and you, it's like a circle. I, think. I found you- mine is more like a slippery slope. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I always have low lying anxiety, um, low level anxiety. And, um, And sometimes it kind of, so, so I actually rewrote like the Homeland Security uh, safety system, like for my anxiety. So like green is like complete 
safety, like everything is good. Like there's no anxiety whatsoever. I don't know what green is like. <laughs> like yeah. I've never, maybe when I'm sleeping, but not usually because my dreams are usually super anxious. Um, <laughs> and then there's yellow and that's just kind of, it's like this low lying thing. There are no panic attacks. Like you can't really say that anything is particularly making you anxious, mm-hmm. but there, there's just that like little feeling maybe in the back of your throat, like a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's usually, that's a good day. That's like, if everything is well-maintained, um, it's like that. Um, I think orange is next. And that's like maybe some panic attacks, getting close to it, easily triggered. Like my whole body is really tense. Um, and then there's red, which is like a panic attack a day, like just real bad. Mm-hmm. Um can't function when I was, I was at that point when I was diagnosed, I almost had to quit my job. Like it was, I was thinking about signing myself in inpatient somewhere. Like I could not function. Yeah. Um, and I have found if I let myself stay in orange or red for too long, that's when the depression comes in. Okay. So if I'm managing my anxiety really well, I, won't deal with depression as often, but when I am in denial about my anxiety, which I have gotten good at at times, Mm -hmm. um, I will slip into depression really deeply and I won't even realize it until I'm like, Oh, why have I been tired for six weeks? Yeah. Or like, why have I not been able to check off any of my really small tasks? Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, I am massively depressed right now. Um, and so I found that that seems to be the pattern for me is yeah. um, like a kind of slide from really bad anxiety into depression and yeah. numbness. Um, that was your question, right? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I thought that was a that's a beautiful because um, um, <laughs> for me as someone who doesn't struggle with these things, like I don't know what that means. It can be hard to trust your mind, which is the thing you're using to experience God. So were there any things outside of yourself, like whether they were scripture, teachings, just resources, music that you clung to, Um, to get your mind focused? Yeah. um, The big two things are that verse, I believe, help me in my unbelief. Mm -hmm. um, And the idea that God is, I am like he... He is not surprised (laughs) when I am in the dark place, as I like to call it. Um, He is not judging, like, the amount of quality time that I have spent in my Bible or, you know, like, he is not, he he's not, like, putting me in the penalty box or, um, or whatnot just because... I'm in a bad place with my anxiety and depression right now. And, and he is, he, you know, he's that mother bird that like pulls us under his his wings to keep us safe. And, and so when I am curled up in the fetal position or, you know, like literally or figuratively, um, God is just, he is, I am, he is there in that too. Um, and he is not changing even if how I am able to interact with him or how I'm able to see him has changed because of my mental status. That doesn't mean he's actually changed or gone anywhere. Um, and, and just the reminder that it's okay for me to have that tension and be in that place, um, 
and that he will still be there when I come out of it, that I'm not going to like get back to kind of a normal place mentally and him be like, well, you weren't here. So I left or, you know, that's just not, he's so faithful in whatever our faith looks like at the moment he is there. Yeah. Um, And I think we just tend to think he's disappointed when we're in those places and he is right. No, because it doesn't, it's not a reflection on my faith at all. Like it's not saying like, Oh, I, I tripped and stumbled and stopped believing in God for a half a second. So now I'm depressed. Like that, you know, it's, it's not that at all. It's not a result of my faith. It's just part of my life. I think that's a good point just in general about anxiety and depression. Like it's not, um, it's not like, well, what do you have to be depressed about? What do you have to yeah, be anxious about? Right. It isn't really like always because of something, right? Yeah. Like, and so that's not something we can always control. And it and it can't always be like I can't climb back out of that pit by praying more necessarily. Right. Yeah, because <laughs> like, I bet you tried. <laughs> yeah, right. If if it was as easy as that, <laughs> you bet I would have right. done it already. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Totally. That's really good. So those, um, so I love just how, just from talking to you and like listening to your podcast, which is so good. So good. I want you to talk about that in a minute. Um, (laughs) but it seems like you, I'm not going to say you're fearless in your grief, but you seem to not like, I think a lot of us, like I tend to avoid it. I don't want to deal with it. It's too much. Like you seem to have marched headfirst into it. Um, only because I've tried all the other ways. First. <laughs> yep. I have tried avoidance hardcore and it only makes everything worse because you have to deal with the grief at some point. Yeah. And it, I have discovered <laughs> through trial and error that if you avoid dealing with it, it just kind of gets bigger yeah. and harder to deal with. And so if from the outset, you say, like, I'm going to be present in this grief and I'm going to handle it however it needs to be handled right now. Um, then you'll actually move forward through it. Um, it's a hard lesson to learn, but it's worth learning how to do it in a healthy way. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So you have kind of turned your grief around into this whole ministry. Do you want to talk for a minute about how your online virtual retreat, which I think is so genius because if someone's grieving, they don't want to go like meet a bunch of strangers. So, I don't want to go meet a bunch of strangers anyway. I know. Right? <laughs> well, that, and on top of that, just, you may not just have the ability to travel. Yeah. That's right. Like, yeah. And that with the virtual retreat, that was the thing. Like so many women want to go be surrounded by other women who want to face hard things and handle them well. Um, but maybe financially you can't afford to buy a ticket to a retreat or a conference, or you can't afford to actually get yourself there, even if you had a ticket or you have kids that you have no other child to care for, or you have a job that you can't take time off from, or, you know, there are all these different reasons. So it's like, well, what if we could still have that time of gathering and making new friends, Mm. um, and learning and being challenged, but like be in our PJs on our couch. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> that sounds perfect to me. Um, and so that's what it's been. We've had really great speakers um, come and just share with us. And, and then women 
telling stories of their life and how they've learned to live bravely in their hard things. And um, I come away, I mean, I get to watch everything ahead of time. Um, and, and I know the speakers from getting to know them, but at the end of the day, I'm still really encouraged and challenged. Yeah. And, yeah. and I know that the women who are attending are and the speakers are and um, building relationships mm-hmm. online is uh, like it's a wonderful thing as as much as we like mock social media and it, and it can get us into trouble it's also a gift and a, yeah. a great yeah. tool to connect with people and so kind of using you know the powers for good of, yeah. of it is um it's been really neat and what is the name of your retreat so it's called the break together virtual retreat the next one is the end of february um and we're going to just be talking about dreaming and and what does it look like to dream uh even when life has been really hard because that's one of the first things to go (laughs) when you agree that's great talk about that a little bit like how what did that look like for you yeah so i forgot how to dream life was just so hard and so traumatic for about a 12-year period um i mean we haven't even like like we just skimmed the surface of some of the things that have happened and and when you are in that like survival um state for so long you are just so stuck looking at like how do i get through the this moment right now and you can't look forward and you can't even if you can look forward and you think, man, I'd love to do that, you you automatically go to, well, something's going to happen and I'm not going to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not even going to think about it. Um, and so for me, it started with dreaming about like, what could this life as a writer look like? What, what do I want our life to look like? Because it's going to be different it's okay for it to be different than it would have looked like if Keith were here. Yeah. And it's okay for our habits and our daily routines and our family trips and our home to be different than it would have been like. And so I used to come up with all sorts of excuses why I couldn't pursue a dream or even if they were very practical, like I, like, I don't live in a place where there are lots of other Christian female writers. So I probably will never be a writer because everyone keeps telling me you have to have a community. Well, then Hope Writers yeah. start, mm-hmm. like, two weeks later. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, well, there goes that excuse, you know? And, yeah. And so at, for every time I've had an excuse for why a dream isn't worth dreaming, um, a completely creative and different solution has has come up um and so I'm really excited to be able to just explore that more um in the retreat in February that is such a good word for me because I'm not going through any like you know lots of secondary grief as we talk but there's nothing like traumatic happening in my life but I do have um twin girls who are about to turn four so that could be argued as traumatic I guess <laughs> but that's a rough age <laughs> thank you Not for my, me. Yeah. <laughs> my husband and I were talking about that um last night because I was kind of thinking through like they're gonna go to school what am I gonna do like full-time you know and thinking through all these things and I was just like, I feel like we don't dream anymore. And I think it's because, you know, when you have young children, like even if you're not going through a stage of grief, just like sometimes having a young family where you're just feel like you're in survival mode all the time. It's like, oh, yeah. it's time to dream. Like what? Yeah. No, I you're just trying to make sure soul. that somebody doesn't poop in their underwear again. Yeah. Like, you're like, right? my dream <laughs> is that you go to bed. Like, that's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and my mom has been so good at reminding me that that, that is a stage. Yeah. And she's always like, 
Rebecca, I sleep through the night every night. Yeah. Like, I, I don't clean up anyone's bathroom mess. Yes. Like, she's always reminding me that all that stuff is a stage. Yeah. And and the the wisdom is in when you're coming out of the stage to recognize that you get to start dreaming again. Yeah. Or you get to start having more time and capacity for hobbies or for – and not staying stuck in that mental place. Yeah, so that's a really good word for me to hear, just the reminder that, like, and I've been noticing it like in my soul, like when I don't dream, I'm just like, I get all like Ecclesiastes, you know? And I'm like, eh, what's the point? What am I doing? Eh. <laughs> <So it's> like, <laughs> I think that sounds like a good fit for me and a lot of parents and just people remembering that it's yeah. like God puts dreams on our heart because. Yeah. And even like when you hit your thirties, like all of a sudden, like you spent all of your teenagers and your twenties, like dreaming about what is adulthood yeah. going to be like. And now it's like, man, I want to think about more than just like paying my bills and making sure I have clean yes. underwear, you know, yes. and like, like, it, but just because those seasons of like great and wonderful change and exploration and adventure are over, doesn't mean that the dreaming is over. Yeah. It's just new dreams. Yes, yeah. that's so good. And then I want you to talk about your podcast because you mentioned it. Tell us the title of it. Tell us your yeah. like the whole thing because I really enjoyed. So it's called Sucker Punch, um, and it's just stories of different people in the in the moments that they really felt sucker punched by life, and um, and figuring really taking that moment to connect on those common emotions, like we were talking about. Um, so in in the fall, we did a series on disappointment and all different kinds of disappointments, like chronic. Um, illness that affects your job mm-hmm. or just like getting turned down for a job that you wanted and like had no like things that have um, consequences that affect the rest of your life or things that have almost no consequences but they're just disappointing in the moment yeah. And, yeah. and how all of those things are valid um, they're, they're all okay to be disappointed about. Like, there's no competition. <laughs> there's no trophy for the most person who has been most disappointed. Um, and then we moved into uh, a series on burnout and, and just different situations. You can burn out as a caregiver. You can burn out on grief. You can burn out on your creativity. Like, your creativity can just disappear. Um, like, just looking at all these different aspects of burnout and how do we handle it and how do we prevent it and um, just kind of creating new rhythms in life uh, to care for our hearts and our minds and um we hear so often that like burnout is like a badge of honor. Like I worked so hard that I ran myself into the ground. Like, well, how about instead we figure out how we can work well so that we can do the work forever instead yeah. of like, you know, um, like rest and not quit, you know? That yeah. Was, yeah. And, um, so next, this next, uh, series that will be, uh, coming up in a couple weeks, um, is on resentment and just different situations, uh, family dynamics, um, more political things, you know, just, just the, the things that, that we can really resent other people, ourselves, God, (laughs) and, Mm -hmm. and how are we going to choose to deal with that? Um, so it's been really, 
a gift for me to be able to share other people's stories. Um, but also just so encouraging that like, we're all dealing with the same, yeah. the same spectrum of emotion and what can we learn from each other? And yeah. like some aren't bad, you know, cause I think that's what we're like, we feel right. silly or childish if we're mm. acknowledged disappointment over something that seems silly, but it's just like you said with grief. I mean, if you don't deal with it, then it's going to come up. Mm. So it's best in them. Even if it is something dumb, like that jerk took my parking spot at target. And now I have, right. to, it's like, just say it in the moment. Just say like, man, like, that was this just, is disappointing. Yeah. yeah. And move up. But like, it's true. Like if you don't like, kind of call those little things out as they come. They do. They build into things that are bigger, like resentment and just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's so awesome that you've created this kind of platform to talk about those things, big and small. And I love what you said about um, the trophy thing, because we talked about, we had Susie Larson on and she was talking about trauma. And we made the disclaimer that like, trauma is your perception. And so it's not like, well, this person went through this like horrible, terrible thing. And so their trauma is like way worse than mine. And I, I want to say that with grief because your story is really hard. And, um, but that doesn't mean like for our listeners who are maybe like, well, it's like, we all have grief and that is common. And that's something you've said so beautifully through the whole thing is like, grief is grief, you know? And mm-hmm. I just, I really appreciate your approach to that. Yeah, it makes, I get emails all the time that are like, well, I haven't been through anything as hard as you. Yeah. And I just want to be like, stop that. Like, right now. Don't let me ever hear you say that again. Because we all deserve to feel the depth of our hurts. Yeah. And, you know, maybe your trauma isn't as traumatic as mine, but maybe you don't have a support system. And I do. And, like, there are just so many different things that are... Um, so many different aspects of grief that we just can't even begin to compare them. Um, And instead, let's just do it together. That's so beautiful. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I think this has really helped some people and just kind of brought to light some things that we just don't talk about enough. And so we're hoping to keep that going with the rest of the um, interviews in this series. And um, again, this is Becky McCoy. We will link to all of her resources and her retreat and everything um, in the show notes. But thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you. 